What is going on, you guys? My name is Justin, but you can call me Jay Swag, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you stopping by, giving a listen, hanging out, and doing this thing that we call uh, going live. <clears throat> That's right, we are live for episode 63 tonight. Uh, doing another Q&A, live Q&A, answering questions. I went on Facebook earlier today or yesterday uh, and asked you guys to give me some questions to answer live on the air, which is what we're going to do now. Um, and if you're joining us live now or at any point, uh, you know, leave questions and I'll be answering those as we go. It's not just going to be the ones that were left on the Facebook post. Um, but speaking of that, um, if you didn't see that post, uh, make sure you're following Sports Talk with Swag on uh, social media because that's where I post that I'm going live and that's where I post the questions and you know ask you for your questions and it's just a good way to stay connected with the show. So uh, Facebook and Instagram are both Sports Talk with Swag and Twitter is STWS Cast. So make sure you go give those all a follow real quick. Um, you can also <clears throat> make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify. Um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, anywhere that you find podcasts. You can leave us a five-star rating as well. That'd be great. Love hearing what you have to say about the show. It doesn't have to be five stars either. If that's not what you think about the show, just be honest um, and be fair. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, I think that's all the you know administrative work out of the way. We can hop right into some questions here. So first off, these are these are all coming from Facebook. The first question comes from Mike, and he asks, will a non-quarterback ever win MVP again? And then there's actually two replies here. Phil replied and said no. And then Sam replied and said Lamar Jackson is a running back, so yes. Um, <clears throat> Lamar Jackson is pretty good for a running back. Um, no, but I, I, I think yes. I think yes. Um, I don't think it'll happen this year, unfortunately. Um, but I do think it will happen because I will. I, I think it's almost inevitable that we will, you know, get someone like a Sean Alexander or a Ladanian Tomlinson, um, you know, or Adrian Peterson, who's just undeniable talent, the best player in the league by far. Um, I mean, I know people are always going to be biased towards the quarterbacks because that happens a lot. Um, but, you know, it's not like we've never not had a quarterback win MVP. Like, we've had plenty of, of people win MVP. I mean, there was a kicker who won MVP one year, I think, as well. Um, <clears throat> so it, it happens, you know. Um, I mean, in this day and age, the quarterback position is so salivated over that people are, you know trying to be the best quarterback you can be. And now that, that, that doesn't mean just having a good arm anymore. Uh, it means being able to run and move around in the pocket and, you know, be, be efficient and, um, 
you know, it's more than just thrown for a lot of yards now. Um, which I think is a big reason why people like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson are all in the running for MVP this year because they're great quarterbacks, but they're, you know, because they're great in a, the classic sense of a quarterback in that they have, you know, they're really accurate with their passes. Um, they, you know, can throw the deep ball. They can throw the short pass. You know, they, they have great vision, but they're also are all great runners as well. And they can extend plays and, and <clears throat> make something out of nothing where there's a broken play and there's no one open and they can scramble. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's like a, a an option play. Um, so, you know, I think those quarterbacks aren't going to be in short supply going forward, um, at least for a while, because that's kind of the, the fad now. Uh, we're kind of over the trend of, you know, where it was exclusively passing, where you have that generation of quarterbacks like Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, um, Philip Rivers, who are just slinging it down field, you know, Peyton Manning, guys like that, who are incredible quarterbacks. Um, all MVP caliber, but, you know, they couldn't really run the ball very well. Um, but now you have quarterbacks, especially like guys like Lamar Jackson, who are just um, incredible, um, really doing special stuff. So I think it's very possible. I think what Christian McCaffrey is doing this year, I think he deserves to be more in the discussion for MVP because I think right now it really is kind of just between Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson at this point. But I think that Christian McCaffrey should absolutely be in that discussion as well because, you know, he is, what is it? I saw some stat, there's some graphic the other day that was like, oh, no, that was from Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Never mind. Um, But, I mean, there have been graphics about the incredible year that Christian McCaffrey is having in that, you know, he is still on pace to have like the best year, the best season for a running back. Like when you combine run rushing and receiving, um, you know, talk about being a dual threat. Uh, he's on pace to be, have like one of those best seasons that we've ever seen. So I think he absolutely deserves to be, uh, in the conversation. I think he's not just because he's not a quarterback and the quarterback is the sexy position. Um, and it's sexier than it ever has been before right now again because of what i was saying with the whole dual threat of a quarterback and being able to run the ball as well and that's just so uh i don't want to i'm not going to say it's necessary yet in today's nfl but it's becoming necessary um it's still a luxury to have right now but those quarterbacks that have that are in very high demand um and they're the ones who are exceeding in the nfl right now so um I do, you know, to answer the question, I do think we will have a non-quarterback MVP again. Um, I just think it's going to take someone special because the quarterback is just the sexy position. I mean, even look at like the Heisman Trophy, it's usually quarterbacks, um, but there's always, you know, some people in the running that are running backs, wide receivers, the occasional defender. Um, And, you know, I think it's... The Heisman has done a better job in being diverse in the positions that they select for their winners, and not just that they're doing it to do that, but because they truly look at who is the most valuable person, who is, you know, just above and beyond everyone else in the league or in, you know, the um, division, whatever you want to call it, college football, 
football, all of college football, the NCAA, whatever. Um, you know, we've had a lot of running backs win the Heisman. Um, and we've, and, you know, we've had running backs win the MVP as well, but just not nearly as much recently. So all that being said, uh, I think it will happen again. Uh, I think there are times recently that it should have happened. Um, like when J.J. Watt got second for MVP, I can't remember who beat him out for it. But I remember being pretty disappointed uh, in the Associated Press for not choosing him because he just had an absolutely stellar year on defense. Um, and I thought, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the best, most valuable player um, in the NFL. But they didn't give it to him because being a, you know, a, a linebacker, a defensive back, safety, cornerback, those kind of... And I guess cornerback is kind of sexy, but the other ones, they're just not sexy positions. They're not flashy. They are just positions that are getting the job done, but they mean a lot. Um, so, Mike, to answer your question, <clears throat> yes, a non-quarterback will ever win MVP again. Um, and then Mike immediately followed it up with another question, actually, where he asks, will the second iteration of the XFL have staying power this time? Um, I don't know. My initial reaction and thought when I saw this question was yes, definitely. Um, because I think people are now more than ever looking for an alternative to that, to the NFL, just because of the state that the NFL is in right now. And that it's just so like, there's a lot of just, they're having a lot of issues, um, you know, and Roger Goodell is not handling it <clears throat> in the best fashion um and so you know arena football the the afl has been around and this and the canadian football like the cfl those have both been around for a very long time but you rarely ever see any of those games on national television uh so it's hard to catch those but you know you saw something like the af um the aaf who they couldn't even make it a full season and people were like pumped about that like people were excited about it they were getting national tv slots they were getting covered on like sports center and you know morning talk shows on uh, morning sports talk shows um they were getting a lot of attention but <clears throat> they didn't have the staying power they just weren't generating any revenue i mean granted that's because they just had so many expenses too and they were paying their players a lot of money um and you know there's just things going on behind the scenes that were kind of preventing them from being able to succeed. Um, I will say this. I think that the XFL now will do mm, eons better than the XFL did in its first iteration. Um, because when the XFL first came around, it was, you know, it was meant to be, I should, I should have started off with, you know, the XFL has stated they're not trying to be like a competitor with the NFL. They've like directly said, I mean, first of all, they made that very abundant when they scheduled their season to be in the NFL offseason. So they're immediately not trying to compete with them on TV or attendance wise. They've also like come out and said in public statements that they're not trying to, you know, steal fans away or make uh, you know, a, a war between these two leagues at all. They just simply, you know, have the idea of everyone loves football. So why wouldn't you just want more football? Um, 
But so that being said, back when they first came around, they still weren't trying to be a competitor of the NFL, but they're trying to be a much, much different alternative to it that there's just not a sustainable market for. Um, because at that point, it was just basically uh, the WWE, but it's, it's football instead of wrestling. <clears throat> and so you had people, you know, there's, the rules were extremely lax. There was barely any penalties. No one's like real names were used on their jerseys or in game. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a huge emphasis on the cheerleaders who were basically in bra and panties and like wearing next to nothing. Um, and so it was a huge like market for, you know, just like the whole like sex sells kind of idea. Um, and like, you know, let's go just for the pure violence of the sport of football instead of like the, the art and the craft of football, like, and like the actual like sportiness of it. Let's just go for the huge hits that injure people that make you go, Oh man, that looked bad. Um, instead of like, man, what a beautiful pass. Or like, wow, that spin move was great. And he added extra yards onto that play, whatever. It was just like, oh my gosh, that guy's not going to walk for a week. He just got hit so hard. That's freaking hardcore, dude. Uh, that was like the audience. And granted, there is an audience for it, but it's not a sustainable audience. Um, and so that being said, it was obviously only a matter of time before the XFL folded in its first iteration. But the XFL has made it extremely clear that that is not at all what they're going for now. They're just trying to be more football that you can watch um, during the winter and spring, uh, during the NFL offseason. They've made it very clear, like, you know, you can't just be some, like, washed up, football player who got kicked out of the NFL and just walk into the XFL. I think, you know, people like someone like Johnny Manziel was a huge, like, I don't want to say target, but like people were like, Oh man, the XFL, like looks like Johnny Manziel is just going to walk in there and be like a superstar there. But they basically in so many words said like, no, he's not going to be allowed in because they basically said that, you know, like anyone with like any sort of like a criminal record or, you know, stuff like that, like, we're not going to let them in. Like, you, you got to be someone who just loves football and is like a, you know, a good <laughs> citizen, good person, which I do think is a great alternative to the NFL because you have people like um, Tyreek Hill, who has been in multiple domestic abuse investigations and charges against him most of his NFL career and he's been able to just skate by them and, and not have to worry about them because either his team is shoving them under the rug or the NFL is, you know, not doing their own internal investigation or letting, you know, the proper authorities take care of it. And, you know, he's a great football player. So they're like, whatever, let's just deal with this and move on so we can sell tickets and get, you know, views on the, Kansas City game this Sunday because he's really good and he's entertaining to watch because he's super fast. Um, so, you know, people like him wouldn't be allowed in the XFL. So I think it's going to be great. Um, 
for people who I, I do think it's going to basically be looked at kind of as like a developmental league for the NFL. I mean, they're not going to have any association with them, but it is going to be a thing where it's like, man, you know, guys who just couldn't quite cut it in the NFL, um, you know, are going to be welcomed, you know, with open open arms into the XFL. I'm trying to think of someone who, who would, you know, who's like a prime. I mean, a lot of it, like, I went to JMU, which is an FCS school. Um, so they're Division One. They're not in the FBS, so they're not playing with people like LSU and Alabama, but they're in the FCS, so they're playing with people like North Dakota State, um, you know, Villanova, uh, William & Mary, um, school, schools like that. Um, and there was like five or six JMU football players who weren't going to be good enough to cut it in the NFL, but they got drafted right away into the XFL. And I think they're going to do great there because they're great football players. Um, but you know, they're just not that elite level of player who is going to make it to the professional leagues. Cause again, I think I've thrown this stat around a thousand times on this show and I will a thousand more times, but only 6% of any collegiate athlete makes it to the professional level. And that's of every single level of every single sport. Um, only 6% make it to the professional level. So this is for that, you know, 7 to 10%, those that, you know, that 3% below them who couldn't make it up to that professional league, but they can make it to kind of, you know, the D league and the NBA um, or, you know, the, the minor leagues in, in, in baseball. And then now I think the XFL for football. So all that being said, will it have staying power? I, I think, I think it will, because they're not putting themselves themselves in. Like they will have no competition. Like they've they've set themselves up as perfectly as they can of, you know, being like, hey, NFL season's over. That's a bummer, right? You wish it was August, right? Well, now it's, you know, a week after the Super Bowl just happened, and now you get the XFL. It's still going to be really high-quality players playing the game that you love watching, um, and you don't have to worry about, like, shoot, do I watch this DC Defenders game, or do I watch this, you know, Patriots game? Like, you're always going to choose the NFL, usually, um, but they're making it so you don't have to make that choice, and you can just, like, still watch you know, your local XFL team now, um, you know, having the financial backing of Vince McMahon is going to help them a lot as well. That's a lot different of the financial backing that the AF had. Um, so, you know, and he's pouring tons and tons of money and time into the XFL. Lots of rumors that he's going to kind of um, transition his way out of the WWE and just fully into the XFL, which WWE fans would be very happy about. Um, but, you know, he's sold a lot of his shares um, in WWE stock to provide more funding for the XFL. So he's really pouring everything he has into this league and wanting it to, to stay around and, and be a, a viable option for people to watch. So, you know, I mean, you think as well in like March, April, May, February, March, April, I think is like the core of the XFL season. During that time, you have the NBA, which is, you know, in the heat of their regular season, the playoffs begin in the end of April. So you're not missing any postseason basketball with that. 
baseball doesn't start pretty much until the beginning of April. So you're not really missing any of baseball. Football is entirely off and hockey is also finishing up their regular season. So it's before the postseason. So they're literally positioning themselves right in the middle of kind of like the dead area of sports, really. Um, I mean, you have the NBA and the NHL who are in the midst, like I said, of their regular season. So people who are obviously into watching the regular season, you know, just watching every game they can are, you know, going to be watching that. But specifically for NFL fans, this is going to be perfect for them because it's, you know, no college football, no NFL. It's the XFL, baby. Um, So, yeah, all that to say, Mike, um, I think the second iteration of the XFL will have general staying power at this time. Um, So, I hope that they do, you know, like I hope it works out um, because I think it's great to have an alternative to the NFL. Um, <clears throat> next question comes from a different Mike and he asks, oh, there's a couple questions in here. So let's see. Why does it seem like the Yankees are going to pass on bringing D.D. Gregorius back? He is so important to the fan base and always comes through when needed most. Is there any hope the Yankees will extend an offer? Also, what big free agent starting pitching signings do you expect the Yankees to attempt? All right, so I'm going to take this one at a time. Why does it seem like the Yankees are going to pass on bringing Didi Gregorius back? He is so important to the fan base and always comes through when needed most. Is there any hope the Yankees will extend an offer? Um. Thank you for the question, Mike. <clears throat> That's a great question. I honestly was wondering that as well, uh, especially coming out of the postseason this year uh, for the Yankees because I think outside of, of Didi, I think maybe DJ LeMayhew was probably the only other player who could have been considered as the best Yankee player in that postseason because um, Didi was just on fire that postseason and he was really really clutch for the Yankees this postseason and getting as far as they did this year um and I I I gotta be honest I didn't pay attention much to the regular season uh this year so when I heard the the commentators talking about that uh while I was watching the playoffs I was pretty shocked to hear that because I had only ever heard great things about Didi anytime I watched him he seemed to be doing great the fans all seem to absolutely love him. He seems to love to play for the organization. So I have no idea why they're not, you know, trying to extend an offer out to him. Um, I don't know if maybe he thinks that he has a better value for himself than the Yankees do. Um, but it's just, it's it's interesting because I haven't heard anything about another shortstop in their farm system who they feel would feel confident in replacing him with. And I don't think the market is going to be very, uh, I can't think of the word. I think it's going to be a pretty dry market for shortstops that they could sign, who they could sign for less than DD and still get the same or better output from him. Um, so it honestly is kind of baffling for me why they it seems why rumors are that they're not going to extend uh, a contract out to him um i think 
if that is the case and whatever reason there's they have their you know site set on not re-signing him and, and testing the market um i think the best hope that yankee fans have for them to re-sign him would be if they just strike out on starting pitching in the offseason because i think their number one priority is starting pitching i think garrett cole is their their biggest target um because that is the thing that you know was proven this off uh, this postseason that they need the most is is pitching because their offense is doing just fine um so that's going to be their top priority and i think if they're not able to sign any big free agents i think then they'll have the money that they can offer to DD, but again, I think he's going to be worth whatever contract he wants because he's a great player. Um, you know, he's great on offense. He has a great bat. Um, and he's a great defender too. He's super quick and he's young too. And he loves playing for the organization. He's, uh, you know, a really nice kid. He, you know, he is a fan favorite, uh, of the organization. So I'm not really sure why, again, I don't really know why they wouldn't re-sign him. Um, I guess I need to do more research. And, and it could just be something that is not known. Um, that There's just rumblings that Brian Cashman doesn't want to bring him back for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Um, also, what big free agent starting pitching signings do you expect the Yankees to attempt? I think their number one, like I said, is going to be Garrett Cole. I think he's going to be everyone's top uh pick that they're going to try to go after. Um outside of that though, I'm not really sure because I don't really know what the market looks like for starting pitchers this offseason. Um because I feel like a lot of pitchers the past like 2 years have signed deals. Um and again, I, I to be completely honest, didn't pay a whole lot of attention to this this regular this season. Well, the regular I paid pretty close attention to the playoffs, but the regular season of the MLB this year I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to, so I'm not sure who is a free agent and who's not. But I I, <clears throat> I do know that, um, you know, the Yankees have been I think fairly vocal about how they want to go after Garrett Cole, um, and like I said, I think everyone does just because he's an incredible starting pitcher. Um, but you know, wouldn't be surprised if the Astros were able to to re-sign him. Um. Speaking of which, though, Astros are in a little bit of a uh, uh, crock pot, hot water. They're in hot boiling frog in hot boiling water. They um, learned some hot doo-doo. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, a pitcher, a player, so, so a guy who used to pitch for the Astros, who's now on a different team, uh, admitted today that during their 2017 championship season, they used a camera in center field to steal signs, which is against the rules. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, especially coming out of this postseason where basically the Yankees and Astros had gone back and forth of, they're stealing our signs, they're stealing our signs. Well, they're using camera. Well, they're using blah, blah, blah. Uh, just, you know, one after the other accusing. They kept going back and forth, and there's like different like appeals and protests and stuff about them stealing each other's signs. And I think the MLB did an internal investigation that, and nothing came of it. But um, Astros made it back to the World Series this, this year, lost in Game 7. Um, and apparently in 2017, when they won the World Series, the entire year they were using a camera 
in center field, high tech to steal signs. So what the heck? Uh, it'd be very interesting to see how the MLB handles this moving forward. Um, see if they kind of put an asterisk next to the 2017 World Series. See if they strip the Astros of their title. See if there's any sort of suspensions or fines or uh, you know sanctions on the team organization. Because this is huge, you know, this has become a very prominent issue in baseball, especially like this past year of, you know, people being very vocal about stealing signs. And apparently, I don't know if it's become more common that people are stealing signs or if it's just that, you know, um, now people are being more vocal about it happening and they're just voicing their displeasure with it. Um, but take that for what you will, the Astros self-admitted stole signs in the 2017 uh, regular season and postseason and World Series. So very disappointing to hear. Uh, Such a bummer because I think everyone was like, I think the Astros were viewed as like the huge underdog in that entire regular season, postseason and World Series. And everyone, I think, was generally pretty happy that they won. Um and we're a very favorable team, which is like a bunch of good, like, do no harm, you know, underdog guys. But they cheated. So that's a bummer. Um, I'm going to check something real quick because apparently some people are having issues commenting on the live video. So I'm just going to see what's the deal with that. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. bear with me, audio listeners, as you once again have to deal with the uh, awkward silence as I figure stuff out on the show. Um. Let's see. Comment. Oh, I can't do it on my phone because I don't have the Facebook app. Hold on. Oh, my Lord. So complicated. Facebook, sometimes, man. All the times. Not a fan of Facebook. All right, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go. Sports Talk with Swang. Go to the page. Oi, oi, oi. Technical difficulties. Gotta love them. All right, so there's that. Let's go here. Test. All right. It worked for me. So, I'm not sure what is going on there. I was able to comment on it. So, I don't know. Um, Let's carry on then. This next question comes from Ethan. 
He asks, how do you think AEW will be able to sustain and grow against the WWE? Great question. Always love when Ethan asks questions because he's the only person who asks wrestling-related questions, and I appreciate that. So thank you for the question, Ethan. Um, How will AEW grow and sustain against the WWE? Uh, If they just keep doing what they're doing, honestly, because... If you look at the numbers, every single week they've beaten out NXT uh, on TV. And, you know, they're not at Raw or SmackDown numbers, but they've been on the air for, what, a month? They've had, like, four episodes of Dynamite so far. So, you know, they are still extremely new, and they're, you know, like, they're they've drawn almost they've drawn a million viewers i think almost every single episode um and raw is usually hovering hovering between two and a half and three million and smackdown is usually being between two and two and a half million so they're really not that far behind and they've been on the air for like five weeks four weeks so maybe six whatever um so i think honestly just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be just fine because they will continue to be a you know safe haven for uh, ex WWE wrestlers who leave the company because they feel uh, pigeonholed there, and then they'll go to AEW where they have a lot of more creativity and uh, artistic freedom. Um, so you know, like the company was started by Cody Rhodes, who had a fairly large stint in the WWE and his brother and father were huge parts of the WWE. And now Cody started the AEW. His brother is there with him now. Um, They got Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, who came over there. They had Neville, now Pac, who's there. They had um, Ty Dillinger, now Sean Spears, who's over there. They... um, Who else did they get from the WWE? Um, that's all I can think of right now. But I mean, those are big names right now that have gone over that have drawn WWE fans over there. And then obviously they have the huge, they already have a following from Ring of Honor and New Japan from getting uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega over there. Um, oh yeah, Chris Jericho from the WWE is in AEW also. You know, they've gotten a lot of big names from the WWE or in AEW, which brings viewers over helps with name recognition and people to understand who these people are uh, and then get attached to the product. And then the other people that they hadn't heard of, they now know and they are fans of. Um, And they'll continue to do that, especially if they keep airing on TNT. I mean, they're literally every Wednesday night on TNT at 8 p.m. You really can't get any more prime time than that. Um, So they'll get viewers there. um, And if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to get bigger because they are competition to WWE. They are a great alternative. And a lot of what people want in WWE, you can get in AEW. And I'm not saying that it's just like it's one or the other. You have to use to only watch or support one or the other. Um, and I'm not saying that everything you hate about WWE, you know, is good in AEW and vice versa. Uh, because they both have their flaws. They both have their strengths. Um, I just think they're good alternatives to each other. It depends just on what you want and what you enjoy. And I enjoy both of them. Um, I don't have the time to watch three hours of Raw on Monday 
two hours of NXT and AEW on Wednesday and then two hours of SmackDown on Friday night. I just don't have that time or the really the interest to watch uh, nine hours of wrestling a week. Um, but that being said, um, I've found it entertaining. I think it's, I, I didn't know much about, I had heard of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Um, I knew who they were just because I'm a, a, a casual wrestling fan. So I, you know, I know generally what happens in, in the indie scene and in uh, New Japan and stuff like that. Um, and so I knew who those guys were and I knew that they were very talented and that people were big fans of them. Um, but other than that, you know, I had never really watched any of them wrestle. I didn't know a lot of the other people that were involved in AEW. And since I've started watching, I've enjoyed the product. I think it's good. Um, so, uh, you know, to answer the question, I think all they need to do is just literally keep doing what they're doing um, because they've, they came out, immediately made statements and were immediately positioned themselves as direct competition to the WWE and have done just that. Um, and so I think just keep doing what you're doing. They have a great TV deal. If they can keep that going there, as long as that is going, they will be competition uh, because the guys who started that company know what they're doing. They've all been in the business for, you know, over 10 years, uh, some of them over 15 years. Um, and they have a lot of great uh, guys and girls behind the scenes in production as well. So they have some really great writers and producers uh, that are helping them who have really cut their teeth in this business for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. So, <clears throat> yeah, I say they just need to keep doing what they're doing and they will, they will do just fine. Quick water break. For those of you <clears throat> joining joining me live, feel free to leave any questions you have. I will be answering them live. I have some here on Facebook that I'm going through, but if you guys in the live audience have anything you want to <clears throat> anything you want to ask or anything you want answered, feel free to leave it in the in the live chat and I will I will answer it because I love answering any questions I get. Um, but with that being said, let's move on to another question from Facebook. This one comes from Jonathan. What went wrong for England in the Rugby World Cup final? I don't know. Didn't watch it. Don't watch rugby. Uh, don't even have the slightest clue. Um, I think what went wrong is that they were outplayed. I think their opponent played harder. They played tougher. They wanted it more. And I think at the end of the day, England just wasn't the better uh, team in that matchup. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that's what I have to say to that, Jonathan. Um, you're welcome for that in-depth, detailed, you can only find it here response. Uh, moving on. This next question is from Vanessa. She asks, will JMU make it to the championship this year? Hmm. <clears throat> Trying to not let the biased fan in me out here. Because my initial response is yes. Because they've literally steamrolled every single team they've played this year. Uh, except for, uh, who was that, West Virginia at the beginning of the year? 
that they lost to, but that was an expected loss. Um, but they've literally just like destroyed every other team they've played. But they haven't had stiff competition so far either. Um, there are some games in the beginning of the year where I didn't think they looked that good, where they should have been like steamrolling, but they were just like winning. Um, you know, where it's like, hey, you should probably be up by like 30 points and you're only up by like six. Um, but that being said, they have looked really good. And they've kind of established themselves as as top dog uh, in the CAA. Um, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they make it into the championship. Um, I, I don't know if they'll win because North Dakota State just loves to win that championship. So wouldn't be surprised if they made it in and, and won again, but it'll be <clears throat> it'll be easier to tell because I haven't seen North Dakota State play at all this year, so I don't know how they're doing. I've only seen JMU play, really. Um, so <clears throat> that being said, I, I do think the Dukes look good enough to make it into the championship, though, because their uh, you know their recruiting class is always top tier now since they've won a championship, made the championship a couple times, and they've established themselves as a power powerhouse in the CAA and in the FCS in general. Um, so their recruiting is always very good. The coach looks pretty good this year. It was a bummer that Mike Houston left because um, he was a great coach and I loved him, but uh, Signetti looks to be doing pretty good. Um, I'm not sold on Danucci as the quarterback, um, <clears throat> but I think he's a senior anyway, so they'll be starting fresh next year. Um, but I think they look good enough to make it to the championship, though. So, yes, I think Jamie will make it to the championship. What two teams do you predict will face off in the Super Bowl? This question is tough. Um, I mean, it's always tough when you're only, what, nine weeks into the regular season of the NFL. Um, But, man, it's hard this year because there's a lot of good teams. And there's like a lot of sleeper teams, but there's just a lot of good teams in the NFL this year. It's been a weird season, but there's a lot of good teams. Um, and I will say last year, I think at the halfway mark, I correctly predicted the Super Bowl. Um, halfway through, I said that it would be Rams Patriots and I was right. So now there's pressure on me to be right again. Um, and I don't, I don't like that, but I do, but I don't. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to bet against the Patriots because um, it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, what do you expect, you know? Um, let's see. Let's take a look at the standings here. See, see where we're at as of right now. I need to. I I want to get like a soundboard so I can play sound effects live as I'm recording the show, and I need to find one to just play anytime I'm like looking something up on my computer while I'm recording. So disrespectful. Um. All right. Playoff picture. Here we go. Anytime. 
Feel free to load whenever you want. Take your time. Oh, got to get that ad in. That's why it's taking so long. Breaking ads. All right. So right now, the top of the AFC is the Patriots and the Ravens. And then the NFC is the 49ers and the Packers. See, this is why it's tough, because the Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC right now, but they lost to the Ravens, who are the number two seed. And then in the NFC, you have the 49ers and the Packers. And then you have, like, the Seahawks and the Saints, who are in the hunt, and then in the AFC. The Steelers are 5-4, but they're not going to do anything. Bills are 6-3, and three, they're not going to do anything. Like this, like the Chiefs are the f- projected fourth seed right now. They're only six and four, but like Patrick Mahomes has been out like half the season. But like, who knows how he's going to play the rest of the year because we don't know if he's at one hundred percent. Texans are six and three, but they typically do really well in the regular season and then just get pooped on in the playoffs. So I don't know who's in the hunt. No one really. The Rams are 5-4. and four. Yikes. I, they're not making it to the Super Bowl. They got figured out. I was talking with my buddy the other day, Brandon, who's a friend of the show. Uh, he's a Rams fan. <clears throat> and he was just like, it's like I, you know, the Rams were favored to make it back to the, to the Super Bowl. They, everyone thought they were going to be really good this year. He's like, but I had a feeling they weren't because, like, I think everyone just figured out the Rams. They figured out Sean McVay. He had his thing with the dynamic offense last year that, you know, just was pounding it into the end zone constantly. But the NFL figured it out. Now they're five and four. Um Eagles are five and four, they're not gonna do anything. Panthers are five and four, they're not gonna do anything. And then everyone else has a losing record. So I'm not worried about them. Um and then no one in the AFC looks threatening at all. So Oof. And that's the other thing, too, with the Patriots. So they lost that, that game to the Ravens. <clears throat> and that's their only loss so far in the season. But, like, the regular season just means nothing to the Patriots. It's just all about the playoffs because they're going to make it into the playoffs, and that's when they, like, really kick it into high gear. Oof. I just got to do this. All right, I'm going to say... That the Super Bowl I'm gonna say Ravens Seahawks. I immediately regret it, but I said it. Gotta stick by it. There it is. Ravens Seahawks. I don't know. I just gotta go with it. I think the Patriots are eight and one, but they haven't had really any real competition at all this regular season except for uh the Ravens when they lost and they lost kind of badly. Um. Yeah, and the Seahawks, I think, right now, they're a wild-card team, but they Russell Wilson is having an absolutely incredible season. Jadavion Clowney is really helping out that defense. Um, I think if they have a sol- if they can keep a solid run game throughout the postseason, I think they are your potential Super Bowl winners there. Um. Any truth to the rumor that Brady's leaving the Pats? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't have any sources in the NFL, so I cannot confirm or deny that rumor. But I don't think he's going to be leaving. 
Um, I think this is a generally divisive. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but I think people are pretty divided on this rumor of whether they think it'll happen or not. Um, some people are like, yeah, it's going to happen. Like he's going to get traded um, or he's just going to like finish out his career somewhere else. But I don't think it's going to happen um, because he keeps taking pay cuts so that the Patriots can keep signing other assets. Uh, and he keeps producing. He keeps bringing them to the Super Bowl. So why would you not want that? Um, I think the only worry is that he's going to stay there until he's like too old and not good anymore. But I don't think Bill Belichick's going to play him then. Um, and, uh, you know, Belichick has always had great backups for Tom Brady since he's come in to the league. Uh, he just hadn't had to really use them that much at all. Uh, but when he has, they've done just fine. Um, I mean, look at Jimmy G over in San Francisco. Look at Jacoby Brissett, Brissett whatever, however you say his name, um, in Indianapolis, you know? So I don't think he's leaving. I think he's staying with the Pats. I think he's going to be a Pats lifer. Um, the Tom Brady is just a, an anomaly. He's a mystery. Who knows? He could just retire after the season, regardless of how the season ends for them. Or he could literally play until he's like 50, um, you know, and just keep playing and keep producing for them. Um, or he could play like two more years, but in the middle of like the 2022 regular season, he just gets benched and that's it. And that's all we hear from him. Um, I don't know, but I, all that being said, I don't think that he's going to be leaving the Pats. I don't think he's going anywhere because I don't think they'll trade him. I think that would be too much of an uproar from the fan base. Um, and I don't think Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick have any intention of doing that. Um, and until he's not producing, they're not going to bench him. So that's great. So all that to say, I have, I'm have. i going to say the Ravens and the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Oh, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that Tom Brady's going to be leaving the Patriots. Um, next question comes from Scott. He asks, will the Dolphins, quote, tank for Tua, backfire with the winless, quote, bungles, and the one win, quote, lead skins right now leading the way for the first and second picks. So basically, will the Dolphins be able to complete the tank and get the number one pick, or will the Redskins and the uh, 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 Bengals beat them out for it? Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. The Dolphins have screwed this up major, uh, big time. And they are definitely not getting the first pick. I don't think they're even getting the second pick. They might not even get the third pick. Um, the Giants just might edge out the Dolphins for the number three pick, and the Dolphins may sit with the fourth pick. Because this kind of leads, I think, into your next question, Scott. Um, With the remaining Dolphins schedule being Bills, Browns, Eagles, Jets, Giants, Bengals, Patriots, how much Fitz magic will we see and how much Fitz tragic will we see? So I think those kind of both play into each other because I think, I don't know who is saying this, but they're saying Ryan Fitzpatrick is just good enough to screw up the tank for the Dolphins because he's just talented enough 
and he's the kind of guy who he's not going to want to tank and he wants to play 100% every game, that he's just good enough where he'll get you a couple more wins this season uh, and they'll end up with like the fifth pick or something. Um, so I think the Bengals have the number one pick completely locked and loaded. That's theirs. If they want Tua, they got him, um, which huge bummer for Tua. But um, I think the Bengals have that locked. Um, and then I think the Redskins probably have the number two pick um, pretty locked up. I think the Dolphins are either going to be the number three or number four pick, and I do think that the Giants are going to give the Dolphins a serious run for their money for that number three pick because I think I don't think the Giants will go into tank mode. I just think they're not that good. Um, I know that there was rumors of them shutting down Saquon Barkley for the season uh, coming out of last week. It's lost to the Jets, um, but he pretty cleared that up pretty easily in saying like, no, that's not happening. I'm not going to not play. Like I, you know, came to the NFL to play, play football. So I'm going to play football. Like it doesn't matter if we're going to the playoffs or not. I want to play football. That's what I'm here. Um, which I just love to hear as a Giants fan too. But um, yeah, so I think the Dolphins tank for Tua will backfire because I think the Bengals and the Redskins are going to beat them out for the top two picks. The Dolphins schedule, let's see, they'll lose to the Bills. They might beat the Browns. They'll lose to the Eagles. They could potentially beat the Jets and the Giants and the Bengals, and then they'll lose to the Patriots. So that's what I'm saying. Like They could end up like at like... They have two, three, four, five. They could potentially, I think, end up at like six and ten, if not five and eleven, uh, which is not going to get you anywhere near the the number one pick. Because um, like they'll guaranteed lose to the Patriots and the Eagles. They'll most likely lose to the Bills, and they could potentially beat the Browns and very well could be the Jets, Giants, and Bengals. So, and then again, I think the Dolphins royally screwed this up because they had that number one pick locked up um, at the beginning of the season, and then they won that first game, and now they've won two in a row, I think. Um, and if, like, you're, like, in the – if you're in the front office of the Dolphins, you've got to be mad because it's like, what are you doing? Like, now we got the number five pick. Like, we're trying to, you know, work on our future here. Um, I mean, the whole concept of tanking is a whole controversy in and of itself because some people think it's bad, some think it's good. You have leagues like the NBA who are trying to fight against intentional tanking, um, but that, I think, has already really backfired against them um, because you had a team like the Pelicans who, you know, should have not have been anywhere near the number one pick. Just like squeeze it out. Um, mostly just because they, their star player was injured and then sat out because he wanted to get traded. But like, they just like, they weren't intentionally being bad, but they weren't actually that bad either. Like, like the Knicks had the worst, like the worst uh, regular season record and they got the number three pick. Um, I don't know. I just think there's teams that had way higher picks than they should have and teams that had way lower picks than they should have um, for what was happening 
with those teams. Uh, so I think that backfired for them, you know, and the NFL still has the, just, you know, the draft goes and how your record is, which I think is relatively fair. I just think it needs to, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a lottery to it. I think what the NBA had was good of just like, if you have the worst record, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get the number one pick. It's just that you have a higher probability. Um, granted, I don't think it should be like 75% chance. I think it should be, you know, like 30 or something, you know, maybe, or maybe like 50. I don't know. I just, it's hard to decide how to reward being bad, especially if you're intentionally losing to get the number one pick. It's just tough. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. But, um, Again, that's a whole other a whole other topic. But that being said, Dolphins royally screwed this up for themselves, and I think they could potentially fall all the way down to like number five or number six pick with the the rest of their season and their schedule, and with how Fitzpatrick is, he's just he's. I I wish I knew who said it so I could give them credit, but they were just like he's just good enough to screw this tank up for them. Um. All right. Another question here from Jeff. He asks, Kentucky loses to Evansville. Is this an indicator of Kentucky basketball going downhill or more about sports parity in the NCAA? Um, so I kind of think it's neither. Uh, so for those of you unaware, earlier this week, uh, Kentucky men's basketball team, number one seed, uh, lost to Evansville, which is you know, an unranked no-name team that Kentucky definitely, like, paid to, to, to play them. Um, and Evansville beat them 67-64, I think, or something, something around there. Um, I don't – it's definitely not – Kentucky basketball is not going downhill at all. Um, it never will, never has. They've just – ever since NCAA basketball is a thing, they've been, like, at the top. So they're, and especially as long as John Calipari's there, they're going to have like always the number one recruiting class and then they'll all end up declaring for the draft. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't think Kentucky basketball is going downhill at all. Um, but I don't think that there's more parity really in college basketball either. I think it's just one of those games where Kentucky probably wasn't taking it too seriously. wasn't trying too hard. It's, the very beginning of the season, it's a team that they'd never heard of. You know, it's like, whatever, we're just going to cakewalk. This is going to be easy. They let their foot off the gas, and Evansville takes advantage. Um, you know, we see it happen all the time, not only in the regular season, but in March Madness as well. That's what Cinderella's stories literally are, is someone just taking advantage of the opportunity that they're given. Um, you know, so I just think it's one of those... I don't want to call it a freak happening or occurrence or whatever, because it does happen. But, you know, it just, it happened very early on this year and it happened to a team that like most people hadn't heard of to the number one seed. But again, it happens all the time. Uh, Kentucky is still a great program. They're still going to be, you know, at the top come March madness. Um, and, you know, Evansville probably won't, make it to the tournament if I had to guess because I had never even heard of them before but you know that's no disrespect to to Evansville it's just one of those again one of those opportunities where Kentucky is they're the highest ranked team 
it's like literally like the second game of the season. They're like, who, who are we playing? Whatever. We'll just go out and put on a dunk contest for our home, home fans. Um, and Evansville is pedal to the metal going for it the entire time. And they ended up, you know, playing harder and playing better. And they ended up being the better team. Uh, because that's the thing is like, Evansville, I'm sure, in their division, in their conference, is a good team. You know, all these athletes that are in the NCAA are still incredible athletes. You know, like, um, I just I think the amount of disrespect towards like D two and D three schools, and even like D one schools that just like aren't very big, um is like ridiculous because people are just like, Oh, these people are a joke. Like my middle school team could beat them. They're so bad. And it's like, no, they couldn't because these kids are still so ridiculously talented, but it's just that these people at schools like Kentucky are just literally like the top in the country. Um, like I said, like Kentucky literally is always, I, th- I think almost every single year has the number one recruiting class in college basketball, which means that like, all of the best high school basketball players in the countries in the country, the most of them are going to Kentucky to play there. So yeah, when the, that group of kids is playing against a team where, you know, they're getting, you know, people who aren't as talented, of course they're going to be better, but that doesn't mean that those kids at Evansville aren't talented. Like they're still incredible basketball players and would smoke you and me so easily on the court. Um, and any, you know, other team like that, you know, it's just, they typically Kentucky is going to beat that team because they are the better team. They're the better program. They have the, you know, better coaching. They have more funding for their facilities. They have a better recruiting class, but they took advantage of the opportunity. They played their hearts out and they beat Kentucky and congratulations to them because I hate Kentucky. Um, I don't like John Calipari. I don't like that school or the organization there. Uh, so I always love to see them lose and Evansville played their hearts out and they won and they deserved it. Cause again, if that happens, it's because they just played better. Um, that's just how it goes because Kentucky should have won that game and they didn't. So, um, that being said, uh, Kentucky basketball is not going anywhere. They're still going to have a great regular season. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like, Oh, like the NCAA is becoming more competitive, so to speak. I think those top schools are still going to be the top schools. It's still always going to be UNC, Duke, you know, Kentucky, uh, UCLA, Kansas, um, Ohio state, well, not Ohio state anymore, really, but, um, you know, schools like that are consistently going to be at the top just because they, for whatever reason, back in 1963, had a great recruiting class, had a great season, and since then it's just been a domino effect of people wanting to play at that school. Um, so they have that for them. Um, but yeah, so Kentucky basketball is not going anywhere. It's just a, it was a, a one of those games where it's a Cinderella. This would be this, you know, the Cinderella story if it was in March Madness, and it would be the, you know, the big upset of you know, UMBC beating Virginia um, or, you know, the run that VCU or George Mason or Davidson had uh, in the tournament that, you know, 
it's just the first game of the regular season, and they they beat them. So, yeah, let me see if there's any other questions. Again, if you're live uh, on the video, feel free to leave questions, and I will answer. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, there are no more questions that were left, so I'll just stay here for a couple minutes just to see if anyone has any questions they want to leave on the live video. Um, but while that's happening, um, I can talk about how, for my wrestling fans out there, CM Punk is back in the WWE. It finally happened. Five and a half years later, he's made his return. They always come back. Um, huge news. Huge get. I mean, it has nothing to do with the WWE, really, because he was brought in by Fox. He's working for a Fox show, and he signed a contract with Fox. Um, I think the someone's. I think Alex McCarthy of Talk Sports said, you know, Fox got WWE's blessing to to bring him onto that program, but at the end of the day, it was Fox's decision and not WWE's. Um, but CM Punk looked super happy to be there on on WWE backstage. Um, I'm super excited for him to be there. I think he's going to add a great voice and perspective to to that panel and to that show. Um I think it's going to produce some really exciting and cool segments on that show. It'll drive a lot of more viewership to the show. Um you know, and I think the main thing though to take away from it is don't expect an in-ring return because again, he's a Fox employee, not a WWE employee. Um and I don't know if people just haven't really done any research at all into this. But, like, if you literally just, like, look at some of the most recent interviews that CM Punk has done with anyone, it's very easy to find. It's not like you have to dig. He talks very openly about how he was open and wanted to do this Fox show. He thought it'd be cool. He said he didn't want to be a corporate puppet. And he just said, if I want to say something bad, I'm going to say it's bad. Um, and if they let me do that, then that's great. But he has specifically said, like, on these interviews, like, I do not want to wrestle again. Um, I mean, I know, granted, five years ago, he said, I'm never going to WWE ever again. Like, F that company, I'm done with them. But, and again, technically, he's not working for the WWE now, but it's a WWE-related, you know, associated program. Um, But, again, that being said, you know, he has said within the past like three weeks, I don't want to wrestle professionally. Like I don't want to wrestle anymore. I don't have interest in that. Like he still has interest in talking, excuse me, in talking about it. Like he's gotten more into like commentating for MMA recently. So he's interested in kind of adding his perspective, but he's, he's done with the whole fighting part of it. I mean, he's also like 42 years old. He hasn't been in a wrestling ring in five years. Like, first of all, the amount of ring rust he probably has, um, not saying he's out of shape because he has wrestled in the UFC twice, but you know, his uh ring rust is probably there. He hasn't wrestled professionally in five and a half years. Um that schedule that he'd be on is back to the brutal schedule, so I don't think he has any interest in doing. Um so, you know, and again in these interviews, he's specifically said, like, I don't have interest in wrestling anymore. I mean, I'm excited to add my perspective on backstage. 
um, on the talk show, but I don't want to wrestle. I mean, again, anything can change. They could say, hey, we'll give you $20 million to, you know, wrestle five times this year, and maybe that'll he'll be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll wrestle for that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, don't get your hopes up. This is not a, a wrestling in-ring return. This is him coming back to talk about it on a, on a panel show. Um, so, and people are, there's some people like on Twitter and stuff on the internet that are saying like he sold out, which is just like, uh, just stupid because like, no, he didn't like, he wanted to come back. Like he wanted to work things out and he did. And he got a gig that he's excited for. And we don't even know like what the details are in the contract. We don't know if he's going to be on the show every week. We don't know if he's getting like way more money than anyone else on the show. We don't even know anything about it. Um, and it's like, all you do is chant CM Punk every single week at Raw and SmackDown. And it like every other show, all you do is say, bring back CM Punk. We want CM Punk. And then he comes back and you're like, Oh, sell out. Sometimes man, the wrestling community is just like, bananas to me and I don't get them um but all that being said CM Punk is back and I'm excited I'm excited for him I'm excited for me and for wrestling fans I think it's exciting um and with that there are no other questions uh to be answered so that is going to do it for uh for the Q&A part six uh thank you for those of you who tuned in live and gave me questions and you know hung out and watched live uh, to those of you listening uh, on the podcast audio version, thank you for, for checking out this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Again, um, if you have any questions that you want to answer on these future episodes, you can email to me anytime you think of it, sportstalkerswag at gmail.com, um, and I will read it and answer it in the next Q&A episode. If not, um, make sure you're following on uh, social media. Uh, those links are in, in, you know, in the notes section uh and i you know mentioned it at the beginning of the episode but it's sports talk with swag on facebook and instagram and stws cast on uh twitter and i will let you know whenever i'm going to go live or whenever i'm going to do a q a episode so you can leave your questions there so you can make sure that they get answered um and thank you to those who did leave questions they were all great i loved answering them hope you uh hope those were, were good answers for your questions um But yeah, so I appreciate uh, all you guys listening and I will see you in the next episode. Peace.